Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 444. Today is March 2nd, 2024. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today I got a quick episode for you. I'm going to do my best to stay on topic and not digress. And I want to hit the highlights around what I'm calling the gaslighting of economic data. Now, you're probably familiar with the term gaslighting. It arose from an old Hollywood movie. I don't remember if it was Alfred Hitchcock or not, but it was in that type of um, genre of a movie. And to me, gaslighting can just simply be defined as manipulating someone's emotions to distort the perception of reality. Now, this obviously isn't a new concept with the way I think and the way I invest. If you go back to the eighth wealth building principle, which is the original eighth episode of this podcast, I talked in there about recognizing propaganda. And so essentially, this is just a carryover of, of that concept. And so I'll use the term gaslighting, you know, basically as, as another term for propaganda. And I'm bringing this up now because if you look at the global economic system right now, we don't have, especially outside the United States, we don't have the economic momentum that we had prior to the pandemic. And this, again, is a reason I've been very concerned over the last 18 months or so, is that we still have a great deal of excesses from the pandemic that haven't worked their way out of the system. You look at the catastrophe we're seeing in the Chinese economic situation right now, even with the government trying to come in and stimulate the stock market, so far they're having very little success with that. And it's not limited to China, you know, despite the fact that the Japanese stock market, which is on the other extreme, they're hitting 34-year record highs in their stock market. At the same time, it was just announced that they did go into a confirmed recession at the end of last year in Japan. That was, quote, unexpected. The UK has been struggling since Brexit. They are officially, as at the end of this last year, in a recession. And it's really just a miracle that Germany and other parts of, especially Southern Europe, aren't in recession. The big powerhouse for the global economy has been the United States. That doesn't surprise me. North America has great potential, and I look forward to investing in that potential in maybe coming weeks and months, but I've been hesitant to do it. I am still not ready to pull the trigger. And that's because I think that over these last four and a half months or so, two of the biggest reasons that have driven this market besides of fear of missing out. But the other two big elements, which I think are gaslighting in a lot of ways, is the hype around artificial intelligence and the hype and expectations for lower interest rates. Now, just real briefly in this episode, I'm going to touch on the artificial intelligence hype and all the excitement about interest rates. And I'm going to look at it in terms of gaslighting, meaning that specifically people are manipulated to believe that the market's just going to keep going up because artificial intelligence is going to make everything so productive and so much more efficient, and that cheap money is going to keep driving asset prices higher. And I also want to step back here and say that you know gaslighting works both ways. If you go almost exactly a year from now, it was the end of last March instead of the beginning of March, but if you go back to the mid to end of March of 2023, the hysteria, the gaslighting at that point was that the banking system was going to collapse. Listen, we had three regional banks fail. 
they were three of literally over 4,000 regional banks. There was virtually nothing in the collapse of those banks that couldn't simply be handled by the Federal Reserve printing some money, which is exactly what they did over the weekend. But the perception in the media to drive fear at the time was to gaslight as many people as they could into thinking that the markets were all going to collapse and there was going to be a contagion. And they drove the stock market down artificially. And then once they couldn't drive it down any further, and then the narrative gets changed and they gaslight you into believing that prices are going to go to the moon. The fact of the matter is the market is not going to collapse and go to zero, nor over the short term is it going to go to the moon and skyrocket. It's going to fluctuate somewhere in the middle. You just need to determine if that risk-reward ratio is in your favor and step back from the normal fear and greed that's driving the overall markets. Because on a daily basis, more than anything, that is what drives the markets, fear and greed. It's how the big money in cahoots with the media gaslights you and preying upon your fears that things are going to fall apart and preying on your greed that you're missing out. In terms of artificial intelligence and robotics, it's not that I don't think that these are exceptional technologies. You go back to 2016, I wrote a book entitled, you know, The Robots Are Coming, How to Profit in the Age of Automation. And I don't dispute right now that companies like NVIDIA have amazing cutting-edge technology and are head and shoulders above their competition. But for me and my money, I step back and I just don't believe all the hype. And I remember introductions of past technologies to where I can look at NVIDIA today and say, yeah, they're the rock star. But you know, two or three years ago, it was Taiwan Semiconductor. That's who everybody wanted to own. They were the big gorilla in the semiconductor industry. And that's not to say that in the next six months or two years, Taiwan Semiconductor may take that leadership position back. Or maybe even Intel. Markets adjust and people adapt. And so when individual company stocks are fluctuating on a daily or even an intraday basis, where they're moving 15, 20, 30% in the course of a day, and not necessarily just up, but could be down as well. And I'm not talking penny stocks here, but big companies like AMD, Arm, and not just chip companies, but Palo Alto Networks, uh, and even non-technology companies like Beyond Meat. Look at the crazy variations. Look at Dogecoin, up like 40% over the last few weeks. When I see volatility like that, whether it's to the upside or to the downside, I step back, I try and take a rational approach, and I wait things out. Now, in terms of the euphoria that we're seeing with artificial intelligence stocks right now and semiconductor chips. Again, I don't dispute the fact that some of these companies are doing incredibly well. But go back and pull up any historical chart of the chip industry. The semiconductors are considered cyclical, meaning they go in cycles. It's feast or famine. They're much like other commodities when demand is high Price goes up like crazy, but then new areas of supply come in to fill that need, and the price collapses. 
they're cyclical. They're feast or famine. That's consistently the way the semiconductor industry has been priced. And I have no reason to believe that it won't go that way forward. Now, yes, over time, they're continuing to grow. They're continuing to expand. They're becoming a larger and a bigger part of the economy. But that doesn't mean that they don't go through periods of feast and famine. And I don't want to get gaslighted into buying at the top. Let's take this out of the realm of artificial intelligence and the hysteria around AI stocks right now. You can apply this to the railroad stocks in the 1800s. You can apply this to when electricity first became commercialized or nuclear energy. Go back and read the things from the late 40s, early 50s about how we weren't even going to meter our electrical usage because nuclear energy was just going to dominate and was going to be a free energy source for humanity. But how has all that worked out? It didn't come to fruition. In my book, The Robots Are Coming, I talked specifically about how these feast and famine cycles happen every time there's a new technology. In the book, I specifically talked about 3D printer technology and how if you go back to the mid-2000s, that was all the rage and all the hysteria. There were a couple stocks, uh, Stratasys, I think 3D Systems. You know, they were going to go to the moon. Well, look at how that's worked out over the last 20 years. The same adjustment process will happen with artificial intelligence stocks. Just the way it's happened with electric vehicles. You go back five years ago, really over the last decade, think about all the hype and hysteria around electric vehicles, EVs. And this is not to say that EVs aren't great. Listen, I, I've got a son-in-law that has a Tesla. It's amazing. But where is Tesla stock right now? It's down by more than 50% from its November 2021 high. Now, in November of 2021, you couldn't convince any Tesla bull that it was going to pull back that much. But it has. And what about all the other EV wonders and success stories? Rivian? Fisker, the, the list of them all, I, I lost track of how much money those stocks have lost. And I'm talking in excess of 80, 90% from their highs. And this is not to say that EV technology isn't amazing and isn't going to be the way of the future. It's just not necessarily going to drive a stock price today. And we just don't have to talk about EVs. We can look at the dot-com bubble. Do you know that two of the biggest stocks during the dot-com bubble were Microsoft and Cisco. Both of those companies still very successful and still around today. But it took Microsoft about 13 years to get back to their dot-com bubble price. And along the way, there were a lot of bumps and fits and starts. Look at all the technology opportunities that Microsoft missed. They either missed or were late to the party in almost every IT-type technology that's come out over the last 30 years, with the exception of they've done a great job right now with artificial intelligence. But think about how they either missed the party or were very late to the party in everything from internet, internet browsers, social media, cloud computing. Just look at the pandemic. Do you remember how Zoom skyrocketed? Microsoft owned Skype at that point. Why didn't Skype blow up during the pandemic like Zoom did? Because Microsoft just poorly executed it. 
Doesn't mean they're a bad company. Doesn't mean they're not going to get artificial intelligence right. But they're not perfect. Cisco, again, probably the biggest rock star of the dot-com bubble. It took 19 years to get back to that price level. And we're not just talking technologies. Look at Japan. It's taken them 34 years in nominal terms just to get back to where their Nikkei average was in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And we're seeing China go through that implosion right now with their prop property market and you know Chinese stocks over the last three years. Depends on how you measure it, but they've lost somewhere in excess of $6 trillion, if not closer to $7 trillion, just on the Chinese stock market, not even counting the real estate failures. Markets adjust and people adapt. And the reason things get so far out of whack is because you are gaslighted into either acting on fear or acting on greed. And I want to sum things up here because I'm going longer than I anticipated, but the other big factor I talked about in these last four months about why our stock market has rallied so much is because of the anticipation of Federal Reserve interest rate cuts. Now listen, I can talk for days about why we don't necessarily need lower rates. Now, yes, I understand short-term rates are, I'd say, excessively high. But long-term rates, if anything, are normal to low. The 10-year Treasury is just barely at four and a quarter percent from a rational economic sense. Why would you want to invest in a fiat currency that's depreciating at least by two or three or four percent? Why would you want to invest in that long term if you're not getting on a nominal basis at least four percent out of it? Look at this from a rational basis. If the five or so percent that short-term interest rates are at right now, if that's so restrictive on the economy, then why is the stock market at record highs? Why hasn't the housing market fallen apart? Why are consumers spending like there's no tomorrow? Well, the reason must be that as high as interest rates are, they're not high enough. They're not that restrictive or the economy would have decelerated faster. But you're, you're not told that. You're gaslighted into believing that rates just inevitably have to go lower. Back in November, when the Fed supposedly did their big pivot and they talked about lower interest rates and the likelihood that they'd cut rates three times in 2023, or excuse me, 2024, this year. That's the word that they put out. But what did Wall Street grasp onto? Wall Street said there's going to be six interest rate cuts and they were looking at a cut maybe as early as November or December of last year, certainly would have an interest rate cut by March of this year. Well, you know what? We're in March, and now the talk is, well, they'll cut rates by June. Look at housing prices. The housing market's holding up, and that's with interest rates in excess of 65 or even up to 7 or more percent for mortgages. If the Federal Reserve cuts rates to where mortgages drop down to, say, 5% or 4.5%, then all that will do will stir inflation in the housing market because there's simply more housing demand than there is supply. So to the extent that they cut interest rates, they're just going to drive inflation higher. Even with wage inflation, and you see these reports that came out, you know, higher than expected in January, in both terms of core CPI or core PCE, 
in every regard, inflation came in higher than expected. And ultimately, that's because if you look at the M2 money supply, since Congress redid the budget and started the new fiscal year in October, we've pretty much seen a significant growth in the M2 money supply. But you're being gaslighted into believing that the Federal Reserve is tightening. You've heard me talk before about how they gaslight when it comes to corporate profits. When you're early in the new year, companies come out and they inflate their earnings expectations so that they can say that, yeah, I know our stock looks expensive now, but if you base it on forward earnings, then the valuation is very reasonable. And then as you get into the year, very slowly, very quietly, they start to moderate those earnings expectations and they bring them down. They move the goalpost. And then at the end of the year, the end of the quarter, what do they do? Well, because earnings expectations has been revised lower, they come out and say, look, we unexpectedly beat earnings expectations. They sandbag all year long to lower the bar. That's how they gaslight you into believing their profits are better than they are. We see the exact same thing when it comes to interest rates and the effects of inflation. You've been told all this year how inflation's coming down. And it is coming down. I'm not disputing that. We knew inflation was not going to morph into hyperinflation back in March of 2022 because that was the month that all commodity prices peaked. So we knew as we'd get into March of 2024, two years into that, it would trickle through the economy and would have lower inflation. But lower inflation is not deflation. When the core CPI, the Consumer Price Index, came out a couple weeks ago, it was higher than expected. For a day, the market freaked out. And that day, the Russell 2000 fell apart. It lost almost 4% in one trading session. And then you know what immediately happened? The gaslighting kicked into full gear to where all the media talking heads came out and said, well, we don't want to look at the CPI. What, what the Fed really looks at is PCE. So we want to look at the, you know, the personal consumption expenditures. That's really, that's really the barometer for inflation. So let's wait till the end of the month and we'll see how that comes out. And what they did was overnight, they raised their expectations. If you look at January's forecasted PCE on a month over month basis, it was, I think, forecasted to be right around 0.2, maybe a little higher than that. But once the consumer price index came out high, they immediately changed the forecast for January's PCE. We're looking at less than two weeks before it was going to be released. They raised it up to, I think, like 0.4. They basically doubled it. And then lo and behold, last week when that number really came out, well, you know what? It came out just fine. The core PCE came in lower than expected. You know, it came in at whatever the number was, 0.38, 0.39. But that was only because they had revised it like 10 days before. The bottom line is, is that core PCE for January came in about twice as much as they thought it was going to. But they backpedaled. They gaslit people into not believing that inflation is sticky and persistent. Ha <laughs> but I digress. Hey, in any case, my message is that you should just beware of the gaslighting and the propaganda. And I'm not just talking about from the government or from big corporations or from the mainstream media. 
there is as much, if not more, nonsense that comes out of social media and influencers and the alternative media. As my Italian grandfather would say with his broken English, it's all bullishita. Hey, in any case, focus on the fundamentals and look for the real opportunities. Don't get caught up in the hype and the hysteria and the fear and greed. We live in amazing times. There's never been a better time in the history of humanity to be alive, to build prosperity and wealth. But those opportunities aren't going to come from some pie-in-the-sky nonsense that's being spouted by some influencer or by a corporate CEO or some big-mouth billionaire or a lying politician. They're going to come when you use your God-given talents and abilities to learn how to earn, save, and invest. Wait, well, hey, more about that obviously in future episodes. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.